0: Hey, what's up this is uh patrick and welcome to the oakland warriors podcast uh it's been a minute since i've done this with uh another person and i have with me my friend Boobang Wen. uh what's up Wu-Bang? how's it going what's up patrick um so you're a uh you're a diehard long-time warriors fan much like myself correct
1: do I need to claim my Oak, my Oakland Warriors heritage in order to, to move into this space? Yeah, so I started being a Warriors fan through my uncle, who has since passed away. He passed away actually a few months before the 2015 championship, so that was a bit, bittersweet um, championship. Like halfway through the champ that championship run, I sort of knew that we were going to do it just because of his passing. I just had this feeling. Um, but yeah, I essentially started as a fan because it was a very cheap event to go to that he would take me to. So, you know, I was less than 10 years old. He would just push me in my car and we'd drive up to Oakland. Growing up, you would go to Giants games for school. You would talk about the Niners all the time. Um, But it took like a real, it was a big deal for anybody to go up to Oakland and go to a a Warriors game. And so we did the whole thing. I mean, drove out, parked at the Coliseum Bart parking lot, walked over the bridge, did everything back in the day. It was like... Four to eight. I want to say it's four to eight dollars a ticket for Upper Bowl back then. Um, Yeah, and just fell in love with it. So,
0: and who was on the squad when you started going? I I don't mean to uh, age you on this one. (laughs) I'm just.
1: My earliest memory is watching Rod Higgins. This whole debate about him when he had like a a wrist, like some sort of cast on his wrist. Mm -hmm. I, I. That's the earliest memory I have. I don't even know what year that was i just knew that they were that it was just a a fast team to watch and the craziest thing is i knew who jordan was i knew who i mean i was i was a lakers man also because i love magic johnson um but Uh you know always always loved the warriors but hated hated jordan um so it was a very weird time in my life i watched um i know i'm going off on a whole tangent here about um the last dance but at first, I realized I did not want to watch the last dance. I'm like, fuck Jordan, you know? And then I was like, I never grew up watching Jordan. And then I watched all of Last Dance, totally fell in love with the whole team again. And I realized I watched every single one of those games. <laughs> I was just, I just don't remember it because I was just so young. It felt like a different sport. And I'm sure you can relate to this because we're going to be talking about what it's like to be a Warriors fan this year, but like watching Jordan Magic everybody playing in the playoffs it felt like a different sport like basketball in in June it was just like being a Warriors fan was basically looking at clippings of who who was going to be in the draft mm-hmm. um you know in the middle of before the draft and it was about free agency and it was about the cap it wasn't about playoffs like it just was it felt like a different sport entirely
0: no uh, exactly i think Longtime Warriors fans would say that, like, the lottery and the draft, that's that's our playoffs because that's when you have hope. And all you ever want as a sports fan is hope, you know, because that's, that's how you can delude yourself into your team being any good, like, the next season.
1: And it was fun. I mean, I remember one year getting really excited to... To get whatever video game was out because i knew the lineup would be chris mullen and spreewell and chris webb like this crazy team that was only existed on paper right before Spreewell choked um PJ, yeah. <laughs> i remember i remember getting pj i mean i remember buying the game i'm like this is the best warriors team on paper and they never actually played a game and it still feels good thinking about that team even though they never played because Basketball was just conceptual in your head. It was never actual playoffs yeah. on TV. Yeah, I mean,
0: call me a homer, but there was that um, team that never existed. This this might be – this is a what if that I talk about with my friends all the time, is the team that if uh, Hardaway didn't tear his ACL and you have a lineup, I think of like Hardaway, Billy O, um, Sprewell, um, Weber, and Mullen. Right. Like that, that was the, that was the ideal small ball Nelly team. And, um, those guys would have scored a ton of points. And I personally think that if that team in 93, 94, 94, 95 still existed intact, I know Hardaway got traded. He was injured. Uh, everything fell apart. Um, that team would have been probably top three in the West. Uh, I, I, Believe that I don't remember who else was in the West besides Houston and, and Phoenix at that point. But if you go back, if you can find, I found a while ago a YouTube clip of that team with Avery Johnson instead of Hardaway, of course. And those guys were were fast and athletic and mean, and you know they had attitude. That that uh, I would have loved to have seen that team in the playoffs, like go up against uh, the Rockets. You know, I'm not saying that they would have won against team. but uh, when Jordan was playing baseball, it was it was fair game, man. It, like, anyone anyone could have gone for it at that point. I swear we'll get back on topic, but
1: are we sure Billy Owens was good? Because I don't remember... I mean, my my recollection of him growing up is that his value was only the fact that he was not Mitch Richmond. <laughs> so I know you mentioned him, and I have a bunch of basketball cards to prove it, but is he was he that good?
0: Trust me, I would have kept Richmond instead, but I'm just saying constituted that that team was built to, uh, run and, uh, Billy Owens was not good. He was a huge disappointment, but he was Chris Weber's friend. They, they basically had a bunch of guys who could dribble and shoot early on. Right. And, um, you know, sometimes I get muddled with who was on the squad at what point, but, uh, uh regardless, like Uh, that, that team with Weber and Sprewell and Hardaway and Mullen at the very least, if that team ever existed, that would have been pretty nasty. I think
1: I had a, I had a 92 dream team cartoon shirt in extra large that I kept in mint condition for all these years. And like five years ago, I just gave it to a friend. And then I was like, I, I immediately regretted it. I should have framed it, but if I still had it, I would have framed it.
0: Um, do you think, uh, here's my segue. Do you think you would frame the new, uh, Steph Curry brand logo.
1: Here's my thing about Steph, the Steph Curry brand and Under Armour is, I want to support him, I really do. Um, The company's terrible. I mean, the owner of under the CEO of Under Armour Mm -hmm. is a Trump supporter, so totally not bought into it. All of it. I mean, one of the reasons I think he got this deal is because he essentially pushed back on this the whole ass thing. Remember that? So, um, the CEO of Under Armour. Um, said that Trump was an asset um, to the country. And then Steph said, if you take out the, what, the et part, and it's basically implying that he was just an ass. And so they went back and talked. And I think that's when they, they, they came up with the, the Curry brand deal that's equivalent to, to Jordan. But yeah, in short, if you have to do like a two-minute video to explain what exactly the logo means, then you totally fucked up on the logo.
0: Yeah, that logo looks just like a a scribble, unfortunately. And it's a bummer. I think that uh, that story of Steph with Del Curry going into the Nike offices and them calling him Stefan or Steven or something like that, and uh, not even knowing who he really was. So he was soured on them right away. It sucks because Nike really, really, really does great stuff overall with like their advertising campaigns their commercials, their, uh, designs and their stuff just looks cool and it sells. Whereas like Under Armour, I feel like when Steph had his first couple shoes, people were like, cool. You know, Steph was like the every man, right? He was like the six, three guy that, uh, uh, everybody went to like high school with or something. And, um, but subsequently, his personal brand just kind of feels like maybe not as cool or hip. And plus a lot of his shoes, you know, like remember he came out with a shoe that looked everybody made fun of looked like an orthopedic shoe or something.
1: Are we, are we sure he would have been great on Nike anyway? Because we're talking about the non-Jordan Nike deals, which is KD, Kyrie, LeBron, PG, Westbrook, CP3. Like if you took a look at all their logos and think about all their shoes... I personally only like maybe two or three of all their shoes combined which is like the kd10 and the first Kyrie shoe and everything else just seems like a hot mess just like zippers and like buttons and like multi-colors and mamba edition this and mamba edition that it's just yep. i don't know i don't know if it uh, that, would have been i mean that's better on a Nike. good
0: point like i'll be honest i'm not a sneakerhead to the extent that i will like know what shoes look like what or what edition and stuff but I just think the overall kind of vibe around him and his shoe uh, and it yeah. would be maybe, you know, I would have liked to have seen what they could have done. I think Kyrie, those are some shoes that I've seen before. I don't know which edition, maybe the ones that you're talking about, but I was like, oh, those are cool. He had like the coolest looking shoe out of um, the non-Jordan one. So, yeah, uh, yeah no, I totally yes. get that. But um, but would he have gotten like the his own I- brand with Nike? Probably not. You don't do that if KD doesn't
1: have that. I actually really liked it when he moved out of Nike because I I visited Nike. Actually, I visited Nike a week after I visited the Nike, the Nike campus in Beaverton a week after Steph was there to get his, his shoe, his feet scanned to make the latest shoe or something. And so I was like, wow, they're really, really trying to do this. And then after that, he left to go to um, Under Armour and, Part of what I was reading about was, you know, Nike's number one goal is to sell shoes. And so they're not going to give him a really high, a really high, a big high top that'll protect his ankles. And that's all I was concerned about back then. Is the number one priority to make a shoe that actually will keep him from getting injured or is it to sell shoes? And so I was happy that they moved away and who cares if it was an ugly shoe, it would have been a high top that would have protected his ankles. Um, but I was happy about it at the time, but now those, those orthopedic uh, ankle supports he wears just fit, um, like inside the shoe. So I guess it doesn't matter. Yeah.
0: But I mean, getting back to the whole logo thing, I mean, you know, the fact that it's like a, a three hand holding up a three point symbol or whatever, I don't know. I just think it's kind of corny, you know what I mean? And it looks so kind co-
1: Oh, you mean the white, the white power symbol? Yeah.
0: <laughs> the white power. I mean, uh, what are the odds? I put it 50 50 that that'll get adapted, co-opted by white supremacists uh, once they realize what it is. Um, if, uh, if the Curry brand, uh, uh, takes off, you know,
1: it makes me appreciate the old logo, which I just realized a few days ago is also it's SC, but it also spells out three zero. Like, oh, that's pretty cool. I didn't even notice that from far away, but makes me appreciate it more. So
0: did you think it was an SC or did you think it was a 30 the whole time? I thought it was an SC the whole time. I didn't know it spelled out 30. I think that logo was cool for, for uh, when they first came out with that. I was like, oh, okay. Under Armour, Under Armour had some decent designers, but, um, I guess they all left and went to Nike.
1: But we we both agree that the the logo should be a silhouette of him shooting a three.
0: Yes, yes, I mean yes, exactly. There's there's only a handful of logos which are the actual player and he deserves it simply because of the iconic nature of what he does. I mean, who else right now would have something like that? I mean, maybe uh James Harden like grabbing somebody's arm. <laughs> like that should be his logo with someone else's <laughs> arm stuck in there.
1: Oh yeah, Harden should be an animated logo. He just falls immediately after that happens too. <laughs> are
0: are you a Under Armour enthusiast? I try so
1: hard. Like, so I'm wearing a hat right now, which I got at a Curry pop up during his birthday. So they popped up the the Under Armour popped up a store in downtown Oakland, where they sold all Curry stuff for a month. And so I came in and I bought a an Oakland hat. It says. 10 for the 10 years that he spent in Oakland and it's got the Oakland tree on it and it says SC and I mean I, I love the hat. Um, but it was literally the only thing I liked in the store. <laughs> At the time they released his new shoe, which was like the birthday edition, and it was literally the colors of a birthday cake. And I was like, Why why are you getting inspiration from this? Like, this is not how you should get inspiration. Uh, a shoe shouldn't be like neon orange, neon blue, and and the color of a birthday cake. <laughs>
0: uh no i i I agree with you let's get to the season the upcoming season uh it's it's gonna be a weird season and with clay going down and there's a lot of weird stuff happening being a long time warriors fan i'm sure there's a lot of folks out there that can probably relate it's like if everything goes bad you've seen worse (laughs) it's like you're prepped for it you know what i mean
1: I don't. I don't know if other lifelong fans have had this experience, but I felt like I made it a deal with the devil in 2014, and that everything after the first championship, well, the 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 first championship in this era, uh, was icing on the cake. And so, you know, I obviously feel really sad when things happen, um, but then eventually the perspective really hits me, and I just say, this is really great. Um, part of the problem with all of the sort of quote-unquote bad times in the last six years has been sort of very immediate and just timely and just happens and we just know things are going to be back and uh, back the way they are like just bounce back because the infrastructure is there you know like back during we believe things were going great and after losing to utah there is no infrastructure there. Like Chris Cohen was still the owner, you know? It's sort of like, we don't have this immediate, we just immediately were hit with dread and just say, you know, this might set us back for a decade, you know? But this is this is a totally different ownership. This is totally different everything. And so if, as long as you zoom out and just have some perspective, then it just makes a lot of sense. Like just remember how bad it was during the Chris Cohen days. I mean, when Jay, Joe Lacob came in, I Photoshopped a sign um, I took the W in logo at the time and just put it upside down and made it look like an M and I printed out the sign and it said under new management and I walked around at the game and everyone was taking pictures with me, <laughs> I was just like, <laughs> yeah, I walked around when Chris Cohen s- sold the T, which was one of the happiest days in my life with a sign that said under, under new management. So if you guys, if any of you there were there during the game, I was the guy with that sign. Wait, uh,
0: So was it like a poster board type thing? Like the uh, stuff that you make? Yeah, signs it cost me like
1: $100 type? to print out, dude. I Photoshopped it and I'd print out this poster board and I walked around. Oh my
0: God, you're one of those guys. I used to watch games, uh, baseball games, because those are the ones where people have signs usually. And also the uh, the cameras show them, you know? And I would actually say to some of my friends, I'd be like, who are these people that make signs?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I didn't make many signs. I remember the last game that, that Chris Chris Mullen played in, which was the last game that Vancouver had a team, was in Oakland. And I had a sign that said run C. And he was just on the bench. He never played or anything. He retired that game. But I mean, it there weren't enough fans in the stand to, to really matter. Nobody was shooting a camera up to the to the upper deck, a sparsely populated upper deck. But yeah, all of that to say is we'll be fine, everybody. It, it sounds like we're just gonna buy buy a bunch of first round picks. If they were if they were able to sell first round picks, Joe Lake will be like, "How much?
0: <laughs> Let's do this." Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think Lakeb is a, a, a he's a great owner in the sense that he'll he wants to win and he's pushing it. You know, I think he's biding his time. Uh, he sees like the light at the end of the tunnel when the pandemic and the restrictions will ease up and eventually end and he'll be able to start just printing money out of chase center um it's funny because like maybe the late 90s early 2000s i was just when cohan still owned the team i was like please somebody buy the team can't one of these tech ceos buy the team i would say if jerry yang back then the ceo of, of yahoo i think maybe one of the founders i was like oh, that guy, that guy needs to buy the team. You know what I mean? And, you know, some venture capitalist guy, tech guy, I guess, uh, bought it instead. But that's all I ever wanted. Somebody with like money uh, to buy the team and do something with it. But it's 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 crazy because like, at least for me, growing up in the, uh, the days when the Warriors really stunk and everything that could go wrong went wrong. There's, there is this sense of, uh, not doom. That's too dramatic, and that's not really what I think. But like, there's like, oh, oh, uh, it's, it's coming back. You know, like, like you said, we sold our souls, and, uh, and we're uh, the devil's cashing in on it now.
1: For me, I, I like the possibility of overperforming and getting into the playoffs and winning a championship, rather than having this expectation of already being handed the championship and it's yours to lose. Like I feel that's much more of a sense of dread. That feels more like a sense of dread to me Mm. than coming in with like a stack team, the Marcus Cousins is like, you know, is our seventh man or whatever versus coming in and you're just like, Oh, we're depending on Andrew Wiggins and Kelly Oubre (laughs) to, to lead this team. What if they, I mean, I think they're going to overperform. That's just my, my thought, um, you know, bringing, bringing in clay as in like C L A Y, clay that uh, the coaches can uh, mold and make better um, versus coming in with a bunch a stacked roster and just being handed the championship in the beginning. Like, I think that's totally a totally different feeling that I prefer. So,
0: I mean, it goes back to what I said before. You want hope, I think, uh, as a sports fan. And this team has that opportunity to. Overperform. They're not going to be garbage. You know, it's not like oh, um, like you referenced the We Believe team, and then all of a sudden, like uh, what's his name, Cohan and what's his name, Bobby Roll. Uh, who, who was their finance guy? Roll. They just started getting rid of everybody, right? Because they want they they were concerned about the bottom line the whole time. And uh, I think this team, they they're going to be fun. I mean, that's 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 obvious. And I think. We could be seeing, hey, you know, people talk about the end of the dynasty. I, I mean, I don't really care. That's not what it is to me at this point. Like, there's been different stages of this quote unquote dynasty this whole time. And now it's like, okay, we got a different team. This could be the end of the dynasty, and they could be, you know, like a, a bottom half of the Western Conference playoffs for a while, or this could be just you know, a 15 year, 20 year thing. And it's a reload. It's a lull. If uh hypothetical, right. If you want to be optimistic, it's like Wiseman shows out. He's awesome. Uh, <laughs> the wolves end up not super terrible, but terrible enough not to make the playoffs. The balls bounce the right way. And we end up with a pick from four to eight. Right. And then we take one of these wings and there will be somebody there, so that would be amazing. And then you end up with all of a sudden you have a really young team, you know, with uh, some guys who can can show the way.
1: My thing about this, the whole dynasty conversation, is you know, I great, you know, this dynasty, whether or not it's gonna last, whatever. The thing is, this team is now a dynastic team. Like we've been the fifth largest market in the country forever. We just didn't have a team that fit it. So now we're in the same league as a New York, LA, Chicago, and we're suddenly, we're not going to suddenly be a Milwaukee or Orlando. Like every year I like to look at the ten, ESPN's attendance ranking to see which of the bottom five teams have the lowest attendance, because I know those teams are going to change ownership and I know that they're <laughs> going to be sold and move. It's so fun to watch, but this team is here to stay and it's going to be a dynastic team. It's going to there's going to be ebbs and flows, but there's going to be another Andre Iguodala that wants to come here. And there's going to be I mean as long as Salesforce Tower is going to be there and we're the the you know this is this tech center of the world uh, which is probably going to happen for a while. Um, there's going to be players that want to play here. And so we're not going to suddenly become Utah anytime soon. No offense to Utah, but I mean <laughs> nobody's like volunteering to play basketball in Salt Lake City. Yeah. I
0: think all those years that the Warriors were terrible, everyone knew like that this was a great market. I mean, look at- Players were saying it. Yeah. Look at the Niners for so many years, you know, like just it's just a great sports market in general. So uh, now that it's, it's been tapped and now that you have an owner who will spend, then there's always going to be a draw. You're right. I mean, they're always going to be, they're going to continue to be good as long as they have a good front office.
1: It's it's the right mix of ownership, right? You have some owners that want to spend a lot of money now and trade a lot of capital, you know, and, you know, like a, uh, like a, what's his name? Clippers. Um, Balmer. Balmer. Yeah. I mean, he wants to see something immediately, right? So he more, he's going to mortgage his future to do it. And then you have Houston uh, Fertitta, I can never pronounce his name, who doesn't have enough money um, to really, really spend. And so he's never going into the salary cap. Or you have an owner that is in a market that's so huge that win or lose, you're going you're gonna to make money. So why bother spending X amount of dollars if you're just going to make enough money regardless? Um, and so we're, we're in a perfect mix of like, people who care about basketball, but don't care too much that they're going to mortgage the future, but will be willing to spend. Like I can't think of a better ownership group than this.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. Like, like I said, it's not Jerry Yang, it's better
1: my my so i i really do think that this year they're going to bring back the bubble for the playoffs mm-hmm. because it just makes more sense like it's going to be the great equalizer um um once you get back into the it's the difference between like getting a 6 seed and 7 seed and all that that's all going to play out like we know which teams are generally going to get into the playoffs but they can't handle they can't handle actual breakout of a whole on a whole team when it comes to the right. playoffs like that's going to be a big deal. So I think we're going to go back to the bubble playoff, which I mean, as a fan, I liked, I mean, you barely notice the difference. Um, it's obviously going to be different when you're there, but
0: um, playing. When is the season supposed to end? When are the
1: playoffs supposed to start? The second half of the season, the schedule doesn't, they're not releasing it on purpose. They're only doing the first okay. half.
0: Um, yeah.
1: And I think, I mean, I, I know everybody's been talking about the Lakers, like loading up and being. A, this is the first time ever that a championship team got better after winning the championship. But I really think that LeBron and everybody really um, benefited from taking a break and then being in the bubble. Like a lot of those players were old, and so you, they took like two, three months off, basically an off to, to mm-hmm. heal and then come back. And he's gonna have to play seventy two games straight. Like there is gonna be a lot of backs back to backs. Like, they're squeezing everything in and then going straight into the playoffs. And so I'm not sure what's going to happen in that
0: case. All right. As being a longtime Warriors fan, right, the Warriors stunk for a long time. The Lakers were always really good. And then when the Warriors finally got good, the Lakers really stunk. Yeah. Uh, two years ago, I would talk about how, wow, this is the first time in my lifetime the Lakers and the Warriors were actually going to be good. But then the Lakers stunk. <laughs> and then the following year, the Warriors stunk. I
1: I did so I did this research to find out which years both teams had winning records. Guess how many years since 1950 have both the Lakers and the Warriors had winning records? Okay. 17. <laughs> but most of the time it was in the 50s, 60s and 70s. So the last few times in the modern era were 81, 82, 86, 87, 88, 89, 90, 91, 91, 92. And then in the 2000s, just 2006 to seven and
0: 2007 to eight. So those late eighties and early nineties teams, those were, or those mid eighties to early nineties teams. Those were when the Lakers were still like the showtime Lakers. Right. And
1: yeah, those showtime Lakers with like the Warriors getting like the seven, right, right, seat, right. Imagine.
0: Exactly. And, um, yeah. and that's when like sleepy Floyd would go for 51. Right. Uh, <laughs> um, I'm, I'm a little mixed and torn about them moving to San Francisco. Obviously, I accepted that a long time ago and if the trade-off is Lake wants to move them and he gave us like the uh he paid for this team in terms of the the players and the front office and he made this happen, I'll gladly take the titles and everything. I'm just a little I get it. I'm I'm, I'm just a little uh they left, stop, stop pandering. Like I, I know it's the Bay's team, but you don't need to reinvent the, we believe uniform into something that says Oakland, you know, leave it alone. The town jerseys were cool. I love those, the black, whatever the slate color and with the gold trim, those are, those are pretty smooth, but I don't think they need to keep going back to the well saying, Hey, you know, like it's like an ex-girlfriend saying, Hey, happy birthday. You know, I didn't forget. You know what I'm saying. So just, just, just move on. You know, that's that's kind of how I feel about it. I'm not, I'm not mad at like, uh, Lake Ob, I'm not mad at, uh, you know, seeing the opportunity, and taking it. Um, I'm, I'm mad that Oakland couldn't get it together to make a, to get a stadium built. I don't know the intricacies of uh, what they tried to and tried to do. And in- I do.
1: <laughs> I don't know if we. That's a whole episode. I mean, I'm a city planner by training, and I worked in Oakland, so this is a longer story. The short, the short of it is, Lakeup is not going to make as much money with a brand new arena in Oakland. The thing is, the Oakland Coliseum is owned by the county. And so if Rihanna or Beyonce play five straight shows there, Lakeup gets $0. So there's not going to be a case where they're going to improve that. And they owed money on it, too. Like, what you should be... Um, pissed off about is they left the bill. Like the Oakland Coliseum is not fully paid for. Like I'm still calling it the Oakland Coliseum. The Oakland Coliseum is still not paid for. Oakland Arena is still not paid for. So that's what people should be really pissed about. And they're going to court for that.
0: And people are pissed. Like, you know, you see it on Twitter when, whenever there's any kind of mention of of Oakland and whatnot. People would be like, you know, why don't you just pay the bill, <laughs> right? Like when they saw it when the uniforms came out, not just the the court that they released recently but uh when the uniforms came out people were like pay the bill that you owe and then then well, then we're good
1: can we go back to the logo um yeah i i went to the logo the, unveiling the... um it, go it, ahead. It, the original logo unveiling <laughs> of the the weebly year so it was it was held at um the oakland civic center plaza uh there, the last time I checked, it's Kara's Donuts, Kara's Cupcakes now, which was which was where the Warrior Store was in the Civic Center. And they unveiled the colors all at once. And everybody in the room was like, what the fuck? Like, what is up with this orange and blue? And then right when we were all stunned, fucking thunder jumped out. And they're like, what the fuck is a thunder? And everyone's like, this dude dressed all in blue. And it looked like, you know, Cirque du Soleil and we're all just stunned. Like we walked away like, what is going on? And, you know, I've always loved the original yellow and blue. So it was kind of a mind blowing experience. I walked away with a ball, but I was just like, this is so weird. And I, it was not worth an hour and a half drive from San Jose to watch this, but obviously the context is totally different. Now I just went to target and I bought, I bought a, uh, a cup and it comes with the old warriors thunder logo. I was like, why are they still selling this? Like it's, it's vintage nostalgia now, which
0: is totally, totally weird. I liked the, we believe uniforms when they came out. I did not like thunder. I had some friends. They told me they went to a game and, uh, they were just like yelling at thunder. They're like, Hey bolt, Hey bolt. <laughs> I kept calling him bolt. <laughs> and then eventually he turns around and he's like, it's thunder. <laughs> I don't know if you remember because uh, they when they went to San Jose and they remodeled the Coliseum because I used to go to the games a lot when I was a kid. My my pops used to split season tickets with a coworker, and it was all concrete and it felt like a gym, you know. And it was like really that's mm-hmm. what I grew up knowing, so that's what I that's my nostalgia. And when it came back, it felt like a freaking mall. At that point, my dad had given up his season tickets. And, um, I remember getting nosebleed seats cause they had reformed the whole interior. And so where our seats used to be didn't exist anymore. They'd replaced that area with like, I think boxes or something. My friends and I ended up in the nosebleed, we were behind some little kid's birthday party, which was, which is always an experience. Um, and then they had like a blimp, like a in, indoor blimp, you know? and. Yeah, yeah, and, and this was that era when they started really trying to make it like this family entertainment thing. And yeah. Yeah, it was a good time exactly. out, remember? The Warriors, was it was like, a good time out. I was like, I hate this shit. <laughs> I hated it so much. The best
1: story, part about the story that, that you're reminding me of is when people ask me what Warrior Games used to be like, I would say just replace all of the rich white tech guys with Filipino dads. I mean, it was all every season ticket every single season ticket holder was a Filipino dad. Yeah, like yeah, from yeah. Fremont to San Leandro to Hayward to to Daly City, it was all Filipino dads. Like that's <laughs> all you would see in the lower level. It was awesome. Like that's all I remember seeing when I was a kid.
0: Yeah, I also remember just uh, because games were never too packed, we in high school, my friends and I, we would just sneak down to like the floor level seats. You know? And we would make it, you know, maybe about like five minutes of game time before we eventually they would come up to us and boot us out. But it was always just kind of like one of those stupid things. Once we would get booted out of one area, we would like walk around the court and try to sit on the other side of the court. And then we would just get kicked out of the arena. <laughs>
1: I, I don't even remember winning games or losing games. I just remembered whether or not we got a personal pan pizza for scoring over 120 or not. That was basically it.
0: Yeah, that was awesome, man. And those were guaranteed in the Run TMC days. My <laughs> God, I ate too much goddamn Pizza Hut. I think we can't finish this episode without talking
1: about Westbrook versus John Wall. And I know everybody's sort of like... Sort of like, are you just trading like a, a bag of recyclables for a bag of garbage? Like, what's the difference between <laughs> these two players? I know that's kind of messed up to say because these are now you're talking teams like a basketball wanna,
0: podcaster.
1: I don't want to commoditize actual human beings, but I mean, I, I think it's pretty clear what's going on here is Houston traded away all their assets um, for the because of the CP3 um, Westbrook deal, and they needed some assets. They're clearing house. They know that uh, Harden wants to leave too. Um, and John Wall, although he's injured, um, he comes with a first round pick. So you get an asset plus essentially what they probably think is the same player. And then, um, Washington gets a player who's healthy that they know for sure is healthy. Um, I think it's, it's a pretty obvious trade. And once you're dealing with some crazy ass contracts that are pushing 40 million a year, uh, it just makes sense. So,
0: yeah, I mean, I think it makes sense for both sides right like it's uh, technically it's a win-win even though the real win would be not having either of these players and just getting up from under their contracts completely but you had to move on from wall in washington he wasn't happy with the idea that they were building around beal his ego wouldn't even though it's obvious it's very strange that's the strangest
1: part is like has he not been watching like his team like has he not been watching his team? And you don't want a player that's gonna root against your team, your their own team, just to make sure that when they come back, it's still their team. Like that's crazy.
0: Maybe he hasn't figured out like who he really is at this point in terms of a, of a you know, basketball player who tore his Achilles and hasn't played in two years and wasn't really that Great to begin with, never lived up to the hype, you know, his, his, I didn't realize he was such a poor shooter. <laughs> Can we
1: just remind folks that he didn't get injured playing basketball?
0: Oh yeah. He slipped on his wet floor at home. Was that it?
1: I mean, I would imagine it's like a palace with marble floors. <laughs> it's not just like the kitchen in our, our right. kitchen with wood. <laughs> That's like, this is like a palatial kitchen uh, with marble from like imported straight from Italy or something. Um, so it's kind of a freak injury, but it's not like he was playing basketball. So it's very weird. I mean, I think it's, I think it's up there with, with falling off a moped in Mississippi. Like, I think it's, it's pretty bad. uh,
0: Or slipping and falling, washing your truck. Oh, who was that? Jeff Kent.
1: Oh God. Jeff Kent. Jesus. I still don't understand these contracts. Like when these contracts were signed, it still doesn't make sense to me. Like, I, I wonder if, if one of these big contracts get, or even the middle ones get, uh, get signed? Do they even talk to people outside the organization? I don't know. Like, I mean, I'm thinking about Malik Beasley. Like, I think about it every three days now. Like, how does Malik Beasley get? Is it eighty million dollars over four years, after being charged with pointing a a stolen semi-automatic assault rifle at somebody? And then you think he's going to be all better because he signed the contract? And then he ends up cheating on his wife with with Pippins ex-wife like this is this is not somebody stable that you should be building your team around as a warriors fan i'm totally all for it 100 yes. like if malik beasley has a foundation or something i would send money to it <laughs> um because i really want uh a, a number four pick mm-hmm. for next year or a number one pick from two years mm-hmm. from now let's do this let's go malik beasley let me get i want to get a prince uh, edition city edition of the uh, minnesota timberwolves malik beasley jersey <laughs> if i can uh but it's crazy i mean westbrook i mean have you seen the last year of westbrook's contract do you know if it's 37 million or 45 million because i
0: i mean i i don't know like i know it's there. in the 40s you know like i i just know that his contract is in the 40s each year for a while. i don't know like where it tapers off or, or how it fluctuates um but getting back to beasley man like yeah i was so stunned that they signed him and uh, I didn't read too much about his legal case. I know the details you mentioned. I didn't realize it was a rifle. I thought it was like a Glock or something. But either way, I could be
1: wrong, and I should say allegedly. Yeah, I mean, and, and
0: either way, like you know, it's it's a bad thing to have a, a, a surrounding like the the chatter on your team. The thing that the Timberwolves lack, it seems like, is any kind of leadership, right, on the court. And Russell, he seems like he tries to play the part, but I don't know if he actually does it. And Cat doesn't seem to do it. So, you know, we'll see if they're just going to be a bunch of guys just getting getting numbers. And we'll see. Uh, you know, I think Edwards will be good. Uh, hopefully he doesn't hang out with Malik Beasley and learn how to be a pro from him. Uh,
1: what? Why are you rooting for them? No. I hope they all hang out. I hope he hangs <laughs> out at his manager. I hope Anthony Edwards completely adopts everything. Well, here's the reason. And says, Malik, be- here, let me talk to you, Anthony Edwards, if you're listening, I want to, or if you know anybody, if anybody knows, and please send this to him, but like Malik Beasley is a veteran. He's a, ve- he's, you're his rookie. And so you need to follow everything he says.
0: <laughs> Cause I want the draft pick next year. I don't want to, I don't want to wait. So I want them to be bad, but I really,
1: you don't want the number one pick from 20. 20- you don't want to let it ride. Uh,
0: uh, yeah, I'll take, I'll take the number four to six, you know, next year as opposed to I don't know who the one is. I know it'll be probably a, it'll be a better draft than the one we just had most likely from what I've heard, but
1: this is this totally explains my level of fandom with basketball. But I'm not as devastated of being able to watch a Warriors game in person because I know I can't afford the tickets and I'm probably only going to go to a special bobblehead game, but I was really disappointed not being able to go to the Walnut Creek G League showcase mm. games because I would have gone to all yeah. of them. Cause it's not that Walnut Creek is still a a track to go to, but like to see the level of basketball at a G league. I mean, it would have been insane. in Walnut Creek. Yeah. Yeah. And now we have to watch it on ESPN, the Ocho.
0: (laughs) All right. That'll do it for another episode of the Oakland Warriors podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the Oakland Warriors podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts and rate us, leave us a comment, say something nice. But uh, more so than anything, come back and listen to the next one. Music in this episode provided by Paper Sun. Special thanks to Paul Amardo for production support. See you next time, and go Dubs.